This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to All Possibilities. I'm so happy that you could join us today. We have Virginia Mason as our guest today. She is the founder of Fleeting Connections, and she was actually introduced to me by by a friend, and what we thought would be an hour-long coffee chat ended up to be (laughs) three hours or so, and so I really wanted to bring her in to continue the conversation and really have her share what she does with you. So Virginia, it's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So why don't we start by having you share with us what you do and how you got there. I am an intuitive healer and I work primarily with tarot and Reiki and astrology. And then I also have some training in like shamanic traditions and a bunch of other different modalities. But it all comes down to really working with people and from a healing perspective to help them with whether it's psychological trauma or transition they're moving through in their life or mentorship in their own path to becoming a healer. And it's all a way of kind of doing intuitive readings because I I still struggle with this word. It's very uncomfortable for me. But which word? Psychic. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's a very Me too. Um, it's a loaded word. It's a loaded word. Like so much of this work that I do, whether like using words like psychic and magic and all these things feel they're feeling more comfortable these days, but it still feels very foreign to me. My background is very much a science background. I studied physical anthropology at Vassar College. I also studied film and philosophy, but I was working a lot with human evolution and working with primates and doing faunal analysis of fossils, <laughs> like really like in the lab and focused on facts. And I was a very strict atheist at this point in my life. And then over time, I graduated college and I went into nonprofit work. I was there for about five years and then moved into real estate development where I was for about three years. And I reached a point during my real estate career where the rest of my life outside of real estate was going to meditation circles and going to yoga classes and finding myself at sound baths and exploring (laughs) all of these just alternative wellness modalities and finding a lot of fulfillment in them, a lot of personal healing in them. 
And one of the biggest things that shifted for me was the fact that I was starting to accept just the way that I processed information and the fact that I had so many dreams that came true. And the more I worked with these practices, I was learning to actually control and harness my ability to do intuitive readings, which before it was like completely haphazard and all over the place. And I was actually struggling with a lot of illnesses and autoimmune situations that over the course of connecting more deeply with my meditation practice, basically all of my symptoms went away. Wow. What, what was the primary driver for you to, to start exploring? Was it the, the health issues that you had? I think I'm trying to remember exactly how it started. I got involved in meditation. You know, I was in, I was in a relationship when I first moved to New York and we were in couples counseling together <laughs> for various reasons that I don't need to go into. <laughs> but the therapist who we were seeing was very into all this stuff. Like she and I grew up like my mom had gotten me astrology books as a kid and I was kind of curious about it. And I was dancing and working with music and very creative and involved in the arts. So it felt very natural to me to kind of explore these like different symbol symbolic ways of seeing the world and she introduced me to Pema Chodron and a book called when things fall apart and I don't know if you're familiar with Pema Chodron but she's a Buddhist nun and this book to me was all of a sudden it was like I was reading it's the first time I'd really read anything about Buddhism in depth and it felt like I was reading all of the ideas I'd had my entire life and finally found somebody who shared my ideas. And it was like, oh, this is just how other people see things. So I got really interested in Buddhism. And that is when I got really deep into meditation. And I got involved with the Shambhala community here in New York. And I've since kind of separated myself from that community some, but that was a big gateway for me to opening up to all of this. And it was actually at a Shambhala retreat in Vermont, where I met somebody who was really into tarot and astrology. And he kind of reignited my interest and he was the person who gave me my first tarot deck. Wow. I I know a lot of people who are really into meditation and yoga for example, but then the crossing into the step of intuitive healing or psychic or whatever you want to call it, that doesn't always happen. So how how did you kind of cross into that? And, and do you see it even as as crossing into kind of the next step or like expanding into a deeper exploration of, of your connection with whatever it is? Yes, I do see it that way. And it was very much a window and like a gateway for me because I was having you're taught in meditation. And then also it's part of yoga, which is really just, I mean, there's a lot to yoga, but we'll, we'll call it a moving meditation for the purposes of this conversation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but through meditation, the idea is like, oh, you kind of like silence the mind. You're not attaching to your thoughts that are moving through. And you're just in this place of like being in the moment. And when I would enter that place, all of a sudden I would start processing information, which is basically what I call like intuitive readings or psychic information. And I was getting visions and all sorts of things during my meditation practice. And I was just like learning things while sitting, just doing sitting meditation. Um, the person who actually gave me the tarot deck, I remember having this really intense meditation at one point where this is one of the first times it happened. All of, it's like 
I could, and I wasn't working with Reiki or anything at this point, but it's like, I could feel the energy of my body completely extended out through all the corners of the room. And it just like, I felt really, really big and I felt outside of my physical body. And I received very clear information at that time that this person was receiving acceptance to a program here in New York City. And then I left the meditation. I didn't hear from him. I had no idea what was going on with that. And it was kind of driving me crazy because I'd received this really clear piece of information. So I ended up like reaching out and being like, hey, did anything happen this week? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got into this program. And it was like, it was on that moment, like the moment I was meditating was that day that he had received that news. And so think more and more things like that were happening for me as I was practicing yoga and as I was working with meditation. And my understanding as to why that's the case is because it's, I don't know if it's whether it's like neurological in terms of the shift of your brain that happens when you're doing this work, but certainly in terms of my mental experience, it's just kind of the letting go and creating a lot of space for whatever wants to come in to come in. I really like that you have that science background and that kind of view specifically through the lens of physical anthropology, which is really interesting. I took one anthropology class in college and I absolutely loved it. Was it cultural? It was medical anthropology, oh. actually. Was, <laughs> okay. yeah. I don't know how I got into that class. Um, and, and so how, was it what what was it like to have that background? Like you had mentioned about the facts about um, about human evolution, actually, which which we can talk about in a bit later too. And how how did you then embrace or um, kind of work with this new evolution of yourself? For me, it all feels very connected. Like it maybe seems disconnected on paper if you think about like a scientist and looking at the world in this very material way, like actually digging through dirt, looking at bones, seeing how things have physically evolved versus where I am now, which is this like very right brain space of just like letting information flow through. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels very connected to me. And my interest in human evolution was always driven by my interest in people and specifically the way we live in basically this feeling I've always had in me since I was a kid, which is like, why the heck are we living this way? This makes no sense to me. I don't understand why we're making these choices and trying to answer those questions for myself and learning more about, well, how do people work? So for me, a lot of those early questions, at least once I'd entered college, were I was looking at the body and looking at evolution and looking at what, you know, evolutionary factors would have motivated this development versus that development, both culturally and anatomically and everything like that. And then looking at, well, what are we really designed for? What are we meant to do? Are we meant to do anything? <laughs> what's like, what's fueling all of this? And so for me, it all feels like a very natural progression. And at the same time that I was studying human evolution, I was also pretty, I didn't have a formal minor or anything in philosophy, but I spent a lot of time in philosophy classes in college, <laughs> studying a lot of metaphysics and epistemology and all of that. So 
even back then I was, you know, I was looking at human evolution. I was looking at philosophy. I would take a psych class. I would take a neuroscience class or a physics class and I would pull them all together. And then like within a film class, I would write a paper that was describing kind of looking at people within the context of the story happening on the screen based on all of these things I was learning from the sciences and the social sciences. And that's kind of what I'm still doing. Like looking at people and then pulling from lots of different perspectives on how people work. And I really view like all of these practices, whether it's tarot or astrology, like any spiritual practice is just another perspective of who we are, why we're the way we are. And yeah, just another lens. I love it. So let's shift gears into the tarot. Um, Tell us about the many beautiful decks that you have in front of us and what what exactly is the tarot for those who are not familiar with it? So tarot is technically known as a form of divination through by using cards and it historically has been tied to a game that was played in Europe back in the 1400s is kind of when it started but there's it's not very clear <laughs> how it all started, but my, like the general story is that it was like, it was a card game, like bridge that people played for hundreds of years. And then it kind of grew into more of this fortune telling card system. And this deck is my first deck. I got into it. I did not believe in tarot. I thought it was very weird. <laughs> Someone showed up, um, the, the person who gave me this deck was also the person who gave me my first reading. And it was that person I met at the meditation retreat. And he gave me a reading and I was like, okay, this is cool. Cause I was just into trying things. And I gave him a reading that same night. Cause he was like, well, why don't you try it? And I felt very connected to the, all of a sudden I just felt very connected to the, like, to the pictures on the cards. And I'm also a writer and I'm a storyteller. So for me, the cards are telling a story and it felt very natural to kind of look at these images and connect the story between them. And that's very much what it was in the beginning. And in order to kind of work with tarot, I mean, there's no, I could give you a story about how tarot works. I don't really know. I don't think anybody really knows. But the my experience with it is that it basically creates a boundary between say, if I'm giving you a reading, so it'd be between you and me, like if you ask a question, it seems to kind of pull from whatever the information is that's flowing, whether it's energy or whatever, wherever it's coming from, and then picks the cards based on that. And I've seen very weird things happen with tarot. Like the same, when I'm giving readings back to back for events, like it'll be like one after the other, you know, 10 in a row, and the same cards show up again and again between those readings. And that's not for lack of shuffling. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw the way that I, that I did the reading and that I put the cards back and everything, it does not make sense. And I'll have weird things happen where... Like if I have some time between readings, I'll, you know, pull some cards for myself and like a card will show up. I had this one event that I did where every time I pulled a card between readings, it was a card that then showed up in the next person who came in. Like the cards were preparing me for the next person to enter. And the, lots of just strange things happen with them that made in because of my experience working with them as I saw more and more of these strange just strange things. <laughs> I was like, okay, there might be something to this. And for me now, I just, 
it's really nice because I can like I can give an intuitive reading without using cards because I work with energy and Reiki and I can kind of just channel the information. But the cards, like I said, they create that boundary where it's not just moving through me. It's like going through the cards instead. And it's less draining for me energetically. And it's it also creates a nice like if if we're just sitting here talking and I'm just telling you stuff that's coming to my mind, there can be a lot of skepticism with that. Not that there isn't a lot of skepticism with cards, <laughs> but it's a little bit more of like, well, this is what the cards are saying. It's taking, even though it's always up to the personal reader's interpretation, it's kind of taking the information that's out in the world and putting it into the cards versus me just having to tell you and kind of giving the authority over to the cards in terms of telling that story. I remember my first experience with tarot actually started as all of my psychic work did through Amazon.com <laughs> because this was a point where I was still very closeted and and didn't want to be exploring in a very like open way. And so what I did was just peruse a lot of different books about intuitive development. And then I came upon, uh, I think it was, it was just really, it was just an, a beginner, you know, easy tarot deck and the reviews for it. I was surprised actually at the number of positive reviews and, um, and just what people talked about in their reviews were just so inspiring that I was like, okay, well I got to try this. And so when I first got the deck, I, you know how everyone's afraid of drawing the death card, <laughs> which is like, this is the one card that everyone is just nervous about. It's probably my favorite card. Yeah, actually. <laughs> and so when I, when I first did my, my own spread and this was really, you know, with the manual and, and trying to figure out, you know, what these cards are and what it, what it's doing when I, I actually did draw the death card as, as the first card, which I saw as, as kind of a renewal like the the end of end of one chapter and the start of a new and for whatever reason so much emotion just went through me at the time I just started crying sobbing and it felt so liberating to to see that and to know that you know this really is the end of a chapter and the start of a new one which to me was this whole exploration of the spiritual, intuitive, psychic realm, um, and, and what that could, what what beauty that could mean in the world, as I saw it from that point. So that was my first first experience, which will always stay with me, always. So so I I have a special place in my heart for tarot for that reason. That. That brings up kind of a couple of interesting things. One is that tarot very much acts as a mirror. So it kind of shows you whatever it is that you need to see, like more so than being a prediction. It's more like you need to see this context right now and need to see this story because it'll help you with whatever you're going through. And the other thing is that one of the kind of mythologies behind tarot is that you don't buy your own first deck. Oh. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> totally messed that one up. <laughs> no, I mean I don't like I don't really believe in right and wrong with a lot of these practices, but that's one tradition that I do like to honor because I think tarot is so strange and part of working with tarot is really about trusting that somehow there's something happening with these cards and these cards have a power to them and by setting just the intention of, I want to begin working with tarot, trusting that the deck will come to you. 
And that's what happened with me. In fact, I ended up getting the exact deck I wanted, even though I hadn't told the person that I wanted this deck. The person who ended up getting it for me, <laughs> like all came together perfectly. It was a very weird situation in terms of how the deck actually arrived like anonymously in the mail without a note <laughs> after I set the intention. And there are lots of stories like that about people's decks just kind of showing up like on doorsteps and other things like that. And I think tarot still works even if you go out and buy your own deck but I think that little that initiation is such a beautiful part of the practice and it's also something that for me has continued throughout in terms of even how my business has developed I didn't set out to be a tarot reader people just started coming to me and like my first paid client wasn't something I was advertising at that point or even really thinking much about doing and then someone just came to me and even now where it's like I'm more in a position where I teach tarot it's like I wasn't really setting out to teach. It's just students started coming to me. It's like the cards just kind of do their thing. <laughs> wow. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue talking about tarot. And uh, we may even get a little reading, right, Virginia? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. So we'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Welcome back to All Possibilities. I'm here with Virginia Mason, who's the founder of Fleeting Connections, and we have been talking about tarot and what that is. So, Virginia, when I first started the tarot, I was incredibly skeptical and was willing to try it out because of such awesome reviews on Amazon. And I think for me, what what solidified it was this incredible amount of emotion that just hit me that I didn't expect to happen. It was it was almost otherworldly, like it didn't come from me. So I'm curious to hear for people who are who are skeptical about tarot or even astrology, which I have to admit, I'm a little skeptical about astrology as well. Um, how much of it is sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where if you, let's say, ask a question and you receive an answer through one of these cards, you you just automatically start looking for those things and maybe it will come true or it'll be more likely to come true. So how do you how do you see skepticism um, in your own journey as well as in your clients and how do you overcome that? I began working with tarot 
just doing single card readings for myself every morning. And by pulling one card day after day after day, that's when I first started seeing just how cards repeat, like the same card would just show up again and again and again from the 78 card deck. And then it would kind of cycle out and a new card would show up and it would cycle through that one. And then it would move out and it would always become aligned with something going on in my life. And then as I started reading for other people, I again started seeing these patterns that helped to eliminate my skepticism around the fact that there's definitely something happening with the cards that's more than just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think in terms of people I read for, clients, certainly a lot of the kind of one-off people, like people who come in for a mini reading or something like that, they might be skeptical when they come in, they might be skeptical when they leave, and that's totally okay. It's, you know, that's their experience. And it's not really, I guess, my job to fully satisfy their skepticism one way or the other. It's like put a lot of trust in, in the cards and in the practice and the fact that it's going to evolve for me and evolve for other people at the pace that it needs to in terms of people's recognition and their appreciation for it. At the same time, I will say, I think it's probably a little bit of both. So there's something definitely happening with the cards, but I do think, and this is probably true for astrology as well, that when you see something, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, talking about the fact that with the cards show up, they're, they're like a mirror. They're showing you some, not necessarily what's true, but what you need to see. And in that way, that is the self-fulfilling prophecy element of it, where it's like you maybe needed to see a death card because you needed to be able to see that you were closing the chapter on something. Then maybe after that, receiving that reading, you make a decision that's to you know, end something in your life, whatever that is. Maybe you wouldn't have made that if you hadn't seen the card. Does that mean it's a self-fulfilling prophecy or does that mean that the cards are helping you? I don't really know. I get that a lot. So it's a similar question a lot about synchronicity because I'm big on synchronicity. I write a lot about synchronicity. It's a huge part of my spirituality is just noticing patterns in life and signs. And people are like, well, confirmation bias. If you're like looking for something or something shows up, but like recently I've been seeing ginkgo leaves everywhere. I did a new moon circle that then there was this whole thing about ginkgo leaves. And ever since then, I've been seeing ginkgo leaves all around the city. Now, presumably those trees have been in New York long before I went to this new moon circle. <laughs> the ginkgo leaves have been on the streets long before, and I never noticed them before. And so to an extent, yes, that's confirmation bias. My attention has been brought to something and now I'm noticing it. But why does that mean that's all that it is? Why isn't it that because my attention is being brought to something, it's because my attention needs to be brought to it? Like We don't know the answer. And I choose to accept that I just, I trust, I, I, I feel something happening. I feel it when I practice Reiki, when I work with astrology, tarot, like these various practices that I work with, like there's something happening in the world. I don't have a name for it, but there's something happening. And I see it showing up in these different patterns. And it's something I would love for science to be able to explain more thoroughly. It just hasn't been able to at this point. In my opinion, I'm not satisfied with the like, oh, it's just confirmation bias. Let's ignore it. <laughs> it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't it doesn't make sense of the dreams I have that come true. It doesn't make sense of all the things I see that are true about people and the information I receive. So because of the, that part of my experience. Now, if I was reading tarot and I didn't and I wasn't somebody who received visions and had all these other experiences with psychic 
gifts, if you want to call them that. I don't know what my relationship would be with tarot because there are people who read who don't necessarily have those experiences and they are just reading cards and telling their story from them. They could they could be really great readers. But I don't know. I think it's different for each practitioner is different. And I think my the fact that I have those intuitive experiences that definitely comes into play for my own personal reading of tarot for people. Another question that kind of relates to what you've talked about is around how people take the information and some people take the information and it's it's prescriptive like this this is it like this is the only path I have forward and it to me it feels a little restricting and and in some cases it, it could it could create a lot of fear around um you know let, let's just say and I've used this example in the past before if 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 someone says you're going to stub your toe or you're going to get hurt on a vacation, you just might not go on the vacation um, for fear of, you know, taking that risk. And then there may be people who, who, as you've described, like use the information in order to make a decision. And so they, there are many different paths they could go on, but they use the tarot as, um, as maybe another input. I like to call it like they can have inputs from all the rational analysis they do elsewhere. And the tarot is another input. So how do you, how do you see that in your own life and your clients? And, and what do you think is the ideal if there is even an ideal? I am glad you asked that question because tarot more so than anything else I practice I receive the response from people. When I say that I work with tarot, people are scared of the cards like I, there's one space where I work where the owner won't even allow cards into the space. <laughs> like there's all this fear around these little pieces of paper <laughs> that I frankly don't like. I don't understand it because it's not a part of my practice, but I understand it because I've heard all the stories about people who've received these readings where people give them a reading and are basically like, you're doomed or they give them these really rigid predictions about their lives or something they're going through. And that's just never how I read for anything. I don't think anything is that rigid. I think everything is a combination of whatever this information is in this moment that I'm getting a read off of and then the choices we make in our free will. So I think that's very much based on the actual person doing the reading and how people choose to interpret it. For me, nothing's rigid. There is no, like that, when things get rigid about anything, that's when things stop making sense to me. And that's when I think I actually, like, you, I can't even receive the information as clearly because it's about staying open and not having a strong attachment to the things that come up in my experience. What advice would you give to someone who is receiving a tarot reading, whether it's from you or someone else? At the end of the day, regardless of what somebody tells you, listen to how it sits with you more than anything else, like how it's making you feel. I've received readings where I really didn't like the way the person did the reading. I was like, I don't agree with that. That's not. And so I'm not going to take that piece of advice. And then I've received readings that were completely like filled me up and gave me everything I needed in that moment and helped me to feel like completely supported 
in whatever I was going through. And I think it's really just like at the end of the day, regard like my work as an intuitive healer is I am just a guide. I'm giving you information. I'm working with you, but it's all about like guiding you to help you understand what you information you already have inside you. Like if I'm accessing this information out in the world that it's already out there, it's also in you. So it's just helping you see it. So you had mentioned that science hasn't quite looked at tarot in the way that you wanted to. What do you think, I guess it's a two-part question, for tarot specifically, what do you think we could look at, we meaning Mm -hmm. scientists, (laughs) could look at, and how would they look at it? And then the second part is, Given everything else that you do, what would be your dream kind of scientific research project? Mm. I will say that I think tarot is probably the hardest to construct an experiment around compared to like meditation or yoga or like Reiki even. Um, I think that the I I think probably studying the patterns, like all the weird, if you, anybody who works with tarot enough and consistently and you're doing enough readings, you start seeing the things that it does. And if scientists were able to study those and track them and sometimes somehow quantify it to prove that there's something happening that's beyond like statistical, whatever the word is, (laughs) that was not my expertise, (laughs) but whoever would do this experiment would know the word. And that I think that's probably the way for tarot and my kind of dream study would it's a combination of two things one is that I really I want to know for me there's actually I think a scientist I, I think it's at Hunter or somewhere in the Cooney system right now who's trying to study the idea that the universe is conscious and it's basically any study that's a trying to figure out collective unconsciousness because that or collective consciousness that seemed like all of my experiences point most strongly to the idea that there is there's like a collective source of knowledge or information out there and there are things like in, in terms of the visions that i get mythologies that show up with different gods and goddesses and things like that, things i've never read about or know about and then I have a vision and I go look it up and it's out there in the world somehow and I'm seeing it and that doesn't tell me oh that's then it's therefore a true thing but it's like I'm somehow tapping into that information and I don't know which what's right there but any study that could kind of figure out where is this information coming from is what's exciting to me and trying to look into yeah collective consciousness And I don't know how you would go about studying that, but I think a physicist would be involved. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's where I don't, well, I I haven't looked at what studies exist out there and what the projects are. There's also the the issue of who's funding it and, you know, where's the money coming from and what are their, what's their agenda and all of that. But the information side of tarot was really interesting. And also I can see a lot of similarities in the Akashic Record readings that I do where you receive information, you receive metaphors, which is you can kind of loosely, you know, create cards out of them too, like these pictures or images that mean something more. And it's almost like 
where where whereas people in meditation look at the neuroscience like where what's happening in the brain it's very localized this is more information science and data science and that's a whole nother layer of uh, i can imagine like mapping a person's life and timeline and things that have happened and things that could happen based on the information they get at a certain time this is like going into I can just picture us drawing the flow charts and timelines <laughs> and pictures Collecting on, on a wall. Yeah. And, and how that maps to someone and whether there is some sort of statistical significance based on the number of times the patterns kind of align or match up with someone's life. That would be really cool. That is the research I'd recommend for astrology. Oh, yeah. Because the thing that really sold me on astrology beyond just thinking it was really cool and eerily accurate in terms of gauging someone's personality and strengths and weaknesses was transit analysis. It's like, give me a host of really important dates in your life and the things that happened on those dates. And then I can go look at your transits on those days. And it's like, I pretty much guarantee something was happening mm-hmm. and I can point to it. And if you, you can track whole lives of that and astrology also can map the charts going forward. That would be cool. We need data scientists. <laughs> we need all sorts of scientists, but information <laughs> scientists. <laughs> to be fair, I do think the scientists might have some bigger concerns right now. <laughs> so I'm happy with them working on that. <laughs> or the other perspective is that this is about human evolution and consciousness. And if anything, this is one of the most important topics to understand further. Very true, since it ties into everything. And I actually think it's very connected to healthcare. Um, I was actually talking with a friend yesterday who's in the therapy profession we both are exploring this but from different lenses because he's a psychiatrist but it's it's like I've experienced you know I have my own experience with like epilepsy and autoimmune disease and like through doing this work all my symptoms went away and I am not alone in that Mm -hmm. like so many people have experienced physical healing through meditation and all these various practices and there's a there's a reason. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Virginia is going to be doing a tarot reading for me. So stick around. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Virginia Mason, and she has been shuffling the tarot card deck 
to prepare for a reading for me. And actually, as she was doing that, I was setting the intention to receive whatever the highest guidance is. And um, I felt my crown chakra kind of buzzing. So that's a good sign for me. So, so Virginia, we're ready whenever you are. Okay. How's your sleep been lately? Like in the recent past, have you been sleeping well? Having anxiety issues around anything? Sleeping, probably. I've been sleeping a lot, which is a good thing. And um, probably the one thing that's been on my mind is that since I'm currently pregnant, I guess this is like <laughs> newsflash. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about how am I going to sleep on my side because I don't like sleeping on my side. So, the- <laughs> well, I'm glad that you mentioned the pregnancy thing because it came up in your reading and I didn't want to be the <laughs> So the reason why I asked you about your sleep is because your recent past card is the nine of swords, which is, you can't really see from where you are, but here, I'll give this guy to you. It's a card of something that's keeping you restless, like waking you up in the middle of the night, nightmares. It's a lot of anxiety, but it's mental. It's all in your mind. It's something that's kind of haunting you. So I don't know if there's something going on in your life and you do not need to share it here now, <laughs> but that is whatever in your recent past was kind of giving you a lot of, a lot of headaches <laughs> that's showing up in this reading. And then your current circumstances card is the father of wands which in a traditional tarot deck is known as the king of wands and for me this reading is coming through that there's some sort of there's an issue right now with a male figure in your life there's some sort of discomfort I don't know like some sort of toxicity and I don't know exactly who the person is I think it's around either like work or home but it's it's definitely someone who's like a primary there's conflict with a primary male figure in your life right now. And your conscious motivation, kind of the goal that's driving you, that's showing up is the nine of cups, which is a beautiful card, just bliss and a harmony and a lot of emotional fulfillment. And that's what you want. And that's what you're seeking. And that's a goal of yours is to have that just like balance and peace and loving connections in your life. Subconsciously, what's driving you even more so is more of your creative ambitions and your vision for what you want to make happen and more like action oriented, beyond just feeling fulfilled is like you want to accomplish whatever this vision is that you have for yourself. Moving into the future is the Son of Cups, which is the Knight of Cups in a traditional deck. (laughs) And you you have three court cards in your reading, and the court cards all represent people in your life or parts of yourself. So your current circumstances card, the Father of Wands, I think is that person in your life, this male figure. And the Son of Cups moving forward, I, I actually think it could be, could be, the little person you're growing inside of you. <laughs> That's what it's coming through as for me. And there's a lot, Son of Cups, there's a lot of emotion there, a lot of creative energy, a lot of just like, 
kind of naivete and love for life. And then the overarching card for the reading is the Mother of Pentacles, which is, I'll give this card to you so you can see. It's a very, very domestic card. Of all the court cards, it's the most domestic. It's all about creating a nurturing space, being the loving mother. It's, I mean, if you look at the card, it actually shows like the mother, like with the baby curled into her. <laughs> um, so it's very much, I think this time in your life is very much about stepping into this role for yourself. And I see that being a really beautiful transition, but there's definitely some stuff going on right now. And like I said, you don't have to talk about it on the air, but there's some <laughs> stuff going on right now that's kind of lingering from recent experiences. There's some tension, some conflict that you're going to have to work through to get there. I will say there's no major arcana in your reading. And within tarot, the major arcana are the, like, the trump cards and they indicate like this is that this is a really significant piece of information for you to receive. None of those showed up for you today. So whatever information was floating through the air, whatever was coming through, <laughs> it's not like hugely impactful in your life. But this is just kind of a general picture of what's going on. Hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. It's nice to see the baby showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have been probably for the first time in my life been more domestic than I ever thought I would be. <laughs> That's to be expected. It's, it's, it's interesting to go from like career, work, 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 start your own business to suddenly like, oh my God, a household and a family. <laughs> and, and what does that mean? And how, and I'm going to have to brush on up on my cooking skills, you know, for when, <laughs> when a baby comes or when, you know, when another, another person enters our family. Yeah, that's interesting when I think about the conscious and subconscious motivation cards, because consciously it's like it's very feeling. It's very mm -hmm. like cups are all about like our connections with other people and our emotions. And so the idea of like being focused on your space and your home and becoming a mother and that being very front and center in your mind and then your work feeling a little different as a result of that. But it's still very much driving you, even if it's kind of. In the periphery. <laughs> oh, it's there. It's there all the time. When you feel the baby kicking, you're like, oh, yep, yep. There's all these things that need to get done. <laughs> like making room for the crib and all of that. <laughs> so, wow, thank you. Yeah, it's you're been... It, I love it when when the, the mother cards come up. What's the equivalent? The mother of pentacles. That would be the queen of pentacles. The queen of pentacles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I get, I get those a lot or like the queen, queen and then kings of something. It's always like representing, it's probably me and my husband, Rob. <laughs> it probably varies unless yeah. you have, I mean, like I have certain cards within the deck where I'm like, that is my card. And when it shows up, I know it's kind of talking about me, yeah. but in my experience, like the card, unless you have a specific relationship with the card or like, that's me, that's, you know, my husband, but it's generally like, it can be parts of you at some point. It can be parts of another person at another point, And that's very much where the interpretation comes in. Like I could have interpreted these many different ways based on the technical meanings, but that's where like the intuition. Hmm. And when you Guys. say the, the, the night of, or what you, you had mentioned the son of cups, cups or the night of cups is that describing that person? And it's a boy, by the way. Oh, it is? Perfect. <laughs> it's the sun. 
we're still confirming with the ultrasound coming up but but yes it's a boy i had a feeling (laughs) but that's describing the personality of of the baby or more like my or the energy at this moment in time i think yeah because this this tarot is very and i would say this is true about every intuitive reading it's very ephemeral like it's yeah it's happening right now it's not happening tomorrow or even in 10 minutes all right well this was fantastic thank you so much for doing the reading and at this point um, i'd love to have you share with our audience what is important to you so this could be a cause it could be a vision for your future what you'd love to have happen um what what is it that you'd like to put out into the universe i'm very business oriented these days it's pretty much consuming all of the time that i don't just spend with people i love and so that's front and center of my mind and i'm all about moving my business in a direction that's specifically helping to teach people how to be their own healer and how to engage with these practices for themselves. Because I think that like, I don't want people to be dependent on me. I want people to be able to experience the same sort of healing I experienced in my own life, which I did experience through stepping into being a practitioner. Not that people have to practice professionally, but just finding ways to integrate it into their daily life through ritual. So I'm creating a product line that helps people work with ritual on a regular basis and also working more and more with mentorships with people. Nice. Good luck with that. Thank Exciting. You. And how can our listeners reach you? Is there a website, social media that they can find you? The best way to reach me is at my website, which is www.fleetingconnections.com. And you can email me. It's Virginia at Fleeting Connections. I'm also really active on Instagram. It's just at Fleeting Connections. So all of those are good ways to find me. Well, it was so great to have you on the show today, Virginia. And I hope this was a, a time for you to reflect on your own journey And um, I'm just really thankful that you took the time for this beautiful reading. Thank you for allowing me to do it, especially on the air. (laughs) (laughs) I give you a lot of credit for doing that. (laughs) It it takes something to connect in that way. Um, And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And I hope you are taking away something from today's episode. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll, be randomly gifted a tarot card deck or um, explore one of the things that Virginia talked about today. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.